Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Holly, editor of Health and Wellbeing, and each episode you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by Laura and Danny from the magazine team to pick out things from that walk that we want to action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen to, and if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you absolutely can. We would love to hear your answers, so head over to healthwellbeing.com to download the questions today. Right now, though, we're about to join Carrie Ad Lloyd, comedian, podcaster, actor, improviser and writer as she steps out of her front door in the pouring rain in North London. Oh, right, walk beginning. Hello, my name is Carrie Ad Lloyd and, um, right, things you're going to have to excuse. Uh, it's, it's raining, it's raining, um, so it might, I might sound a bit cold. And um, I have had some bizarre allergic reaction to something this morning. I'm one of those people, allergic to everything. My hay fever seems to have lasted all year. And so I'm a bit sniffy. Um, So apologies if you hear sniffiness. I'm very excited to be doing this podcast. For many reasons, it's a great podcast. Also because um, it's making me get out of the house. And I am someone, I quite like getting out of the house, but I do have to be dragged occasionally. Anyway, I'm being very forward, as I said. My name is Cariad. I'm an actor and a writer and a podcaster and an improviser. And it sounds like I'm showing off, but it really is just because you have to do lots of things these days if you want to be creative. Um, and I have written a book called You Are Not Alone, A New Way to Grieve, which is all about grief and death. And it's based on my award-winning podcast, The Griefcast, The Griefcast, where I interview people about their experiences of grief and death, really. And it's cheerier than it sounds. Um, I did start in comedy, so my aim is always to make things feel a little bit cheerier than you would expect them to be. But this is about this walk, so off I go in the rain. It's actually not a bad day. It's, um, it's got that late autumn vibe. So there's still some leaves on the trees. Uh, still a bit of red and, red and gold going on, and that's nice. But it is wet and cold it is starting to turn I don't mind this bit because it feels like um you know before you hit real bleak winter so it's still a little bit of autumn in the air which is very nice um I will waffle along with you as you go on your walk hopefully um so do excuse my waffling and my sniffing right I'm walking past a small patch of green that I live by that's the brilliant thing about London isn't it where I live there's just all these pockets of green I'm actually going to do a walk I used to do in lockdown because I thought it might be nice to do it, you know, not by forced, <laughs> forced walking. Um, so, question one: What gets you out on a walk? Uh, think about time of day you prefer to go out and what you enjoy. What gets me out on a walk? Well, I have two children, so really I don't do a lot of walking. I do a lot of just get the kids out of the house because they're going to destroy something. My children are quite young and um, we live in a flat. And it really does, uh, they really do, like dogs, need walking. Um, 
So every day, we're not out by 10. They're going mad. They're going absolutely crazy. And so, yeah, I've got to get them out. And um, so I go out in the morning and I go out in the afternoon because they need walks twice a day. <laughs> I mean, mainly we're not walking, we're just going to the playground. Um, so that's what gets me out. But it would be nice one day to take them out on a walk that they actually want to do. But mainly we walk to a playground at the moment, which um, is fine. I'm, I'm just want you to know, I'm just walking down the road now. Just a plain old London road, but there's leaves everywhere. Lots of berries on the tree, the red berries. And it's a very pretty road. Um, time of day. I'm, I mean, generally, I don't like to go out when it's raining. <laughs> That's generally my rule, but I've wrapped up warm. And I've got an umbrella and a big hood. And I think what's happened to us recently is we're having to go out when um, in the afternoon, but it's quite dark. And that's quite exciting. We've been calling that park in the dark. And the kids have been thinking it's something exciting rather than being in the same park they always are, but dark. I'm now going to go through a strange bit of, like, preserved woodland that I have near me. Like, honestly, it's tiny. But in the 70s, some residents fought to keep it. One of the great things about London, they have these patches of these bits of green. Um, and so now I'm walking through a lovely meandering path full of trees and it feels much more secluded and calm. Where is my dream walk? Oh, as a North London gal, there's two great North London walks really. It's Hampstead Heath and Highgate Woods. Um, Hampstead Heath is just incredible. I just think Hampstead Heath is, the fact that it exists, it's just there, this huge piece of green in this massive city. Um, despite my very Welsh name, I am half Welsh, but I grew up in London. And I love London so much. And I really like walking through London, to be honest. I like that it's always different. So I enjoy the Hampstead Heath walk, but I also, you can't beat any part of London, which means you're going to cross the Thames, because it doesn't matter what bridge you cross, you're going to feel impressed, aren't you? You're going to cross the bridge, look at the Thames and think, wow, I live here. So, yeah, that's kind of... Um, a particular favourite of mine. I used to be a tour guide in London um, on the buses, one of those people. And one of my favourite facts is if you cross, oh, I can't remember what name the bridge, but the two bridges either side the House of Parliament, one is green and one is red, the House of Commons, House of Lords. It's one of those things you'd never notice until someone, a tour guide, points it out. Now as we're crossing this little bit of green, this is dog walking central. So um, there's lots of dogs around, which I have no problem with. I like dogs a lot. He doesn't know his size, does he? <laughs> lots of dogs walking past us. Um, unfortunately, because of lockdown, this patch of grass became so popular, it turned into mud. <laughs> so because of everyone walking on it, and it's still quite muddy, actually. But yeah, my dream walk. I don't know, it is dream. Maybe I'm being a bit unambitious. Maybe it should include a beach. I do love walking by the sea. I used to live in Brighton. And that was always good. I think just as long as you're in nature, isn't it? It doesn't matter what it is. I've reached the end of the patch of trees that's near my house. That's how small it is, but it's very lovely. Um, I might turn around and go through it again. I might go to another patch. Another big patch of green. You never know in London. When you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Well, yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? What do you mean by stress? Because I think, unfortunately, the... You hear me getting out of breath? <laughs> so unfit. Um, 
Right, I'm just coming through the big gate now. This sounds a bit like ramblings. You listen to Radio 4. I'm doing my best care balding impression. When you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Yeah, it's difficult. I suffer quite badly from anxiety, partly stemming from why I do the podcast about grief and death. Why I do grief cast is that my dad died when I was 15, quite suddenly, of cancer. And uh, we talk about this on the show a lot. If you've lost someone very quickly through cancer or whatever means, you often have something called death anxiety, where you just basically, oh, the rain is kicking in now. Um, you basically constantly think people are going to die. And if anything happens, you know, if someone doesn't text you back straight away, you think, oh, that's it, they're dead. And uh, we call it death anxiety. I don't know. It's not the official term. But it's basically if you've been through a trauma. And it, at first I thought it was just me who had this sort of thing. And then when I did the grief cast and interviewed all these people, I discovered everybody, lots of us, who have lost people, known someone who's died. If it was sudden or unexpected, or even if it wasn't, it causes a great deal of anxiety because you've sort of learned that the world is a bit wobbly. And I wrote about this in my book, You Are Not Alone, which is just to talk about it and acknowledge that, you know, we all feel these things, especially, as I said, if you've known someone who died traumatically or quickly. I'm just going to have a bit of a rest under some trees at the moment because it's starting to pour down again. So, yeah, so I have anxiety and um, my triggers, so it's difficult. I guess what I'm trying to say is my triggers are not like, oh, I'm busy at work or something like that. It's this constant feeling that people aren't safe or I'm not safe because of what happened to me of joining the club, as we say on the Deepcast when I was 15. So I think more what I do rather than have triggers is try and just keep an eye on myself. And if I can feel myself getting a bit worked up about things like just overthinking things and over worrying. I then have a word with myself and I try and make sure, it's the basics, isn't it? I try and think, right, am I getting enough sleep? Am I, what am I eating? <laughs> I, do, I do eat very healthily by absolute no effort at all because my husband's an amazing cook and obsessed with, uh, not healthy cooking, just like proper cooking. Um, but yeah, it's trying to have a, a word with yourself. I'm also very addicted to sugar. <laughs> so when I'm really particularly stressed, I think, right, bit of cake, I'll make it, I'll buy it, I don't mind. And um, that tends to sort me out. What does switching off look like to you? Um, is it important to disconnect? Is that the wrong way to think about it? How selfish are you able to be in your life? What rituals do you use to switch off? Well, these are excellent questions, Walked Well Being. I'm just walking through another patch of green that I live nearby that's got some good trees to shelter under, so you know where I am. Because it, it's raining, it's, it's not pouring down, but it's, it's raining. So, yeah, is anyone switching off? What does it look like to me? Well, as anyone with young kids knows, it's not really an option. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, so it is hard because they wake you up very early. They take quite a long time to go to sleep. <laughs> and... Um, so switching off is quite hard and I'm a self-employed person writing so often as soon as I have put them to bed I have to start doing some work so again I think it's always monitoring yourself slightly which is slightly boring but I feel like I've got to the age now where I just have to accept 
I am a machine and if I don't keep an eye on myself, I might break. So it's kind of like, oh, well, how much, how many evenings have I been working this week? Have I seen my friends? What am I watching? Because often, you know, I work in comedy and television, so you're watching stuff, but you're watching almost stuff for work. You're like, oh, I need to watch that programme because my friend made it. Rather than like, oh, I'm just going to watch this for pure fun. So for me, switching off is very, very basic. <laughs> watching Strictly with my daughter, making sure that I'm not looking at my phone too much and I'm not thinking about what I need to do. Um, but I do think that this is just the stage I'm at because of the, the age of my children. That Switching off is just not really quite there yet. But it will be <laughs> when they get a bit older. So I, I can't be especially selfish with my switching off, I think, at the moment. But I do my best and I think you have to be practical. I'm a very practical person. You have to be practical and think, well, what can I do? What's in my limits? Now, I say this on the show all the time on the grief cast. You know, if you're grieving for someone, I speak to a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I should be over it by now. I should be back at work. Everything should be normal. And I think whenever you have the should in your sentence, that's when you need to listen to yourself and think, hmm, can, can I do that? Can I go back to work? Am I able to? Am I able to feel these things right now? Because grief is a lifelong process. And the more I think about it, the more I realize that life is a lifelong process. <laughs> these things just take time. You've got to be patient and things don't happen in the timeline that you expect them to. So I think the ritual to switching off that I try and use is again, checking in, can you have a bath? Can you watch Drag Race? Can you not bother tidying up quite as much as you normally do? Those sort of things. Uh, when was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different? How did it go? When was the last time I challenge myself I think challenge the biggest challenge I've had recently was writing a book um, which I know is a bit of a weird one but um, I sort of I wrote the proposal without thinking about writing it <laughs> I was like oh this is what I'd like to write and I didn't I wasn't sure if anyone would ask me to do it and they did and then I thought oh crap I've got to do it um, and that was a huge challenge I'm quite a challenging person I'm, I'm quite a like as in I don't shy away from it, as in I'm a bit addicted to the dopamine of challenges, so trying something new is kind of my, I'm into that. And also I'm an improviser, and so every week on stage I get up and I have no idea what we're going to say when we do my show Ostentatious, which is an improvised Jane Austen novel. We just get a title from the audience and then off we go and we do a show. And so um, I'm very into that feeling of, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I like that feeling a lot. Um, yeah, so that's... I'm also... I, I wonder if I'm slightly... If you do a lot of improvisation, sometimes you, you need to stop challenging yourself. That's the challenge for us, to not be like, what can I do now that's stressful? <laughs> you have to kind of be like, what can I do that's peaceful? Because our life is quite, especially as a performer, quite adrenaline-filled. So you're often having to psych yourself up for quite big things or big gigs or big performances. Dogs running past me. Um, so yeah, a large part of my life is trying not to... Oh, dogs in the background. Not to 
challenge myself sometimes because I do it a lot. That sounds like one of those people who goes, <laughs> one of my worst qualities that I don't have any. Um, so yes, <laughs> sorry. It's really raining and I'm quite cold. Who's really nailing their well-being in your life? Do you know what? I think it's really hard to nail well-being right now in the world we're currently living in. The news we're receiving, the past two years, the pandemic, the losses, the grief that we have all been through, whether you lost someone close or you, you know, you knew people or you had to just simply lose your life or your job or just hear those numbers every day on the radio. I really think that we are in a process right now of grieving for so many things. I mean, I would say that I work a lot with grief, but I, I feel it. I see it in other people trying to get back to their normal life. And so I think anybody, <laughs> anybody that's managing to get up, keep hope in their heart right now, make themselves a good breakfast, keep themselves showered. Um, to me, they are nailing, they are nailing it. They are nailing well-being. Because it is really hard at the moment. And, you know, we're approaching, as I speak to you, we're approaching the winter and it can get very dark in this country and very cold and it's very hard to... Even in normal times, it's hard to keep that hope up that everything's going to be okay. So I think the fact that so many of us are trying to just do our best, be kind, you know, not cause more damage than you meant to that day. <laughs> and, you know, be kind is overused, but I mean that in a kind of be soft, be gentle with yourself and other people. Do unto others as you would be done by, however the correct way of saying it is. And that if you're managing that, and you're managing to get to bed at 11 some, some nights, and occasionally you drink your full cup of tea, you're smashing it, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, we're on to question seven. What's one recent little win that you're happy with? I like to bake. Guys, I like to bake. It makes me feel better. And I am... Um, I was in a charity shop and they had a madeleine tin. You don't even know madeleines are those like weird French little cakes with ridges in. And the tins are normally really expensive. Tin was £3, guys, charity shop, bought it. I made myself. I want to swear, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but I made myself MF madeleines. And um, they were so good. They were so good. They were delicious. They tasted like shop bought madeleines. I felt alive. I felt like I was living. I made cake. I like making cakes a lot, but yeah, that was a really, that was a big win. <laughs> What's the biggest life lesson you've learned this year? Oh, I mean, I hate to sound like old griefy. When your dad dies at 15, <laughs> I think you learn a very strong lesson that uh, everything, not everything is permanent and things can change. And we're only here for a very limited time. You just have to grab the small wins appreciate every moment just be happy for the little things and not try and control the world so that's a big lesson i still carry with me and um i think this year these pandemic years i've tried and keep that just take each day as it comes and although this year i would say the biggest lesson i've learned is that a two-year-old will do whatever they want to they will do whatever they want to. Oh, going past some scaffolding. And you are not in charge of what the two wants to do. There's absolutely nothing you can do. 
When's the last time you cried? Question nine. I cry a lot, guys. I'm a bit of a crier. I don't mind crying. When you join the grief club early, you get there early, you put the snacks out, you get used to crying. Um, I'm not a very hormonal person. Pre-period, I'm weeping. I'm just weeping. I cry a lot, it's strictly. <laughs> I love dancing and I just cry when they start, when they do a dance really well and they didn't know they were going to. And just the idea that people can get such joy from just moving their bodies, guys, really gets to me. <laughs> I don't think I'm alone. Last question. What's the best advice you could give someone about happiness? Best advice, I would say, is someone walking in the rain having an allergic reaction to some tree or spore, is that happiness comes and goes, right? It's fleeting. But if happiness is fleeting, so is sadness. It will come and it will go. Everything passes. Nothing is permanent. Nothing stays forever. You know, look at the seasons, look at nature, look at your life. Things come and go, they ebb and flow. That's the way. And the more you can just welcome happiness in when it arrives, how nice to see it. I haven't seen it for ages. Great. And then off it goes again. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll see you later. Because you will. It will come back. It will come back. Just, you don't always get to say when. And that can be quite hard. But I think, as I've become an old sage, I hold on to that quite dearly. Complete the following sentences. Being healthy is, just you know, I'm back on the little green by my house. Trees are absolutely golden, red, yellow, orange, brown, works, showing off. So complete the following sentences. Being healthy is, gosh, being healthy. Being healthy is being kind to yourself, being gentle with yourself. And I think being healthy is kind of treating yourself the way you would treat a beloved person, whether that's a child or a loved one. You know, would you make sure they have warm socks and dry, dry shoes and a warm breakfast and a cup of tea and a hug when they need it? I'm quite into warmth, maybe because I'm so cold right now. Um, but I do think being healthy is about, yeah, loving, loving yourself in the way that we sometimes love other people. And mostly when I'm dancing around the room, wearing very comfortable clothes, dancing to an absolute banger, probably also talking loudly and passionately about something I don't know the full details of. And if I'm eating cake at the same time, that is the most me I can be. The best thing about my walk today has been, do you know what the best thing has been? Walking in the rain on a cold, fresh autumn day when I definitely would not have got outside by choice. I would have looked out the window and said, no, I'm all right, actually. But actually, it's quite nice, isn't it, to go out in the rain and just have a bit of a walk that isn't going somewhere because I'm such a person of, right, got to do this, get there, quick, quick, quick. Don't stop, don't stop. And um, it's been very nice just to amble around my streets and not, not for any other purpose than a walk. That's felt like a really good thing for my brain. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. I hope you have coped with my sniffing and my ramblings and my musings. My book, You Are Not Alone, is out in January. It's all about grief, but I promise you it's not depressing. <laughs> it's a little bit cheerier and it's very, deals with it in all the raw, 
truthful, honest ways as only someone who talks about grief every day can. So thank you so much for listening to me, Carrie Adloyd. Enjoy your walk. Oh, Cariad, you are definitely not alone when it comes to having a good cry at Strictly. I'm right there with you in the joy and pride of watching the move on the dance floor. And if you get as much joy from moving your body when you're out on your walks, our sponsor has a great selection of footwear and apparel to meet all your needs. So before we hear from our team... Let's take a moment to hear from Skechers. Here's musician and TV radio host Mylene Class for Skechers Archfit Footwear. My day-to-day is jam-packed, including being a full-time mum. And if you're busy like me, you can't be slowed down by uncomfortable footwear with no support. So, I get all the comfort and arch support I need with Skechers Archfit Footwear. Skechers teamed up with podiatrists to create footwear with podiatrist-certified arch support for 24-7 comfort. Because if I don't get a day off, neither should my Skechers. Find Skechers Archfit footwear for men and women everywhere hi welcome back to walk to wellbeing i'm your host holly and i'll be joined by laura and danny from the health and wellbeing team did you enjoy that walk today oh yeah i thought it was great i i felt sorry for her because you could hear the rain couldn't you <laughs> oh my God, it was tipping it down <laughs> Yeah, we enforced that walk on her, didn't we? (laughs) She was a good sport, wasn't she? Yeah. (laughs) But I thought it was going to be a bit weepy, you know, or, you know, teary or a bit griefy. But actually, it was quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. It was like really upbeat and and empowering despite the rain. Yeah. But this quote really stood out to me that when she said, I am a machine and if I don't keep an eye on myself, I might break. Yeah. I was like, wow, I wrote that down because I think it was when she was talking about being tired, not having too much time for herself. And then she said when her kids go to bed, she does, tends to do a lot of writing. And I thought she was going to be like, you know, I'm a machine and I can get this much, yeah. mm. this amount of writing done. But then when she said that, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I just love the way she put it because it takes away that kind of perfectionist, toxic positivity thinking rather than thinking I can do more, I can be more and so on and so on. It's like you can only do so much, mm. otherwise you will break and burn out. And, you know, like we touched on in the episode with Leanne Perro, I just think machines aren't perfect, yeah. humans aren't perfect. So we all need certain things to work optimally. Mm. You know, yeah. like I even, <laughs> it sounds so silly, if I use my washing machine loads of times in a day, like I feel sorry for the washing machine. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm overworking you today. <laughs> but I don't, I don't feel the same about myself. I'm like, you know, come on, you need to work harder and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And like, isn't it sad like that we put ourselves below something like a washing machine? (laughs) (laughs) I know, there's so much pressure, isn't there? It's crazy. No, I completely agree, Laura. I really enjoyed getting to know Carrie out on her walk today. She shared some really great pieces of advice, you know, especially on her experience with grief and what she's learned. I would say... I really resonated with her advice on happiness, which is nothing is permanent, um, emotions specifically. So, you know, you can experience so many different emotions within the same day or even, you know, just five minutes. And I think hearing that everything is temporary, whether that be sadness from um, a loss in your life or grief or, you know, the warmth that you feel from being with friends or family or something is is really comforting because everything really is just a, a moment in time, isn't it? And mm. 
I heard this thing, I read this thing, I think someone put it on their stories, something had kind of like happened to them in their day and this is how they were reframing it. And she said, all you can really do is live in the moment. So true. Yeah, I totally agree, Danny. Everything is temporary. And as my own mum would often say to me, this too shall pass. So totally agree. Um, it's it's hard to do to live like bang in the moment. But, mm. um, you know, if you're not worrying about what's happened or what's coming up but you're so right it is all that we can do Mm. and I think for me what I picked out um, was when Carrie had said that when you have should in your life that's when you uh, need to be checking yourself and could you be asking yourself can I do this instead of should I do this and I think that personally struck a chord for me because I think like you said Laura I should have done my washing today or (laughs) I should have cooked something healthier or I should have mm. done some exercise or you can should all over your own life uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. can't you <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think it's really easy to have grand expectations or intentions for ourselves and we're actually really our own biggest critics but this feels like quite a simple language tool to be a bit kinder to ourselves definitely a bit like when Cariad was saying being healthy is caring for yourself like you would a loved one and mm. um, so uh, I loved it when she was saying like you know if that's like giving them a hug if they need it or giving yeah. them like a warm breakfast I know she was a bit cold at the time so that's <laughs> a cup of tea <laughs> yeah. but would we tell someone we loved that they should be doing uh, xyz um yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so true <laughs> You or, just wouldn't, would you? No, you just no. wouldn't, would you? <laughs> no. like, but we do to ourselves and could, to me, sounds a lot more like a suggestion or a possibility rather than a judgment. And I think we're all guilty, aren't we, of looking in the mirror one day and be like, oh, God, like, oh, my eyebrows are terrible today or, <laughs> oh, like, my legs don't really look great in these jeans. You would never say that to a friend, would you? No, absolutely no. not. No, God, you would never be a friend anymore, would no, you? No, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we all just need a bit more, bit more kindness to ourselves that we put on to others I think mm. that would be a lot more positive wouldn't it that internal dialogue isn't it that mm. I yeah. think that's why Carrie Ed's sort of tip can really help you know can you do this not sh- should you do this or you know like you were saying Danny like <laughs> you should do your eyebrows or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. know, go to the gym more and stuff like that you, it's like can you do you do you have time for it do you really need it or want to do it yeah yeah is yeah, it yeah. really going to benefit you you know mm yeah, and then you can look at it as more of a question like, no, actually, I don't have time for this. Yeah, today. Um, and then it's and then it feels more like an active choice, doesn't it? Mm. Like you're not judging yourself that you should have made time for it in your day. It's like actually, no, I'm not going to prioritize that. Yeah, no, I was just going to mention priorities. It's what you choose to put at the top of your list. Yeah, it comes a lot clearer, doesn't mm. it? I think what's when genuinely you, um, important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think should is something that can cause quite a lot of anxiety, and that's. The topic that we're going to be discussing today so like I say each week health and wellness is so personal and different for all of us but here we'll be digging into some common myths and today we're discussing your friend of mine anxiety <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the friend that I wish I didn't have oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I was saying to Laura before we came on air that I, I can't uh, be trusted with caffeine anymore because uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> what happens well Danny if you ever if you ever catch me on a day where I've had a real cup of tea um, or a coffee um, I will be asking you to confirm whether I'm a kind person <laughs> whether you think I've done anything wrong in my life um, and uh, yeah some 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 serious reassurance in in that general area right. so uh, 
So anxiety is just yeah, it, flooding it, your body. It skyrockets. Wow. Um, I think because I was saying to Laura, I think the caffeine and the initial rush feels very similar to that initial rush of anxiety. So mm. I think my brain has linked the two. So I'm just like, nope. I'm on the decaf from now on. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe like calming teas <laughs> yeah. from now on. Calming teas for me. That's it, you know, chamomile all the way. And so it's not just caffeine that can make you feel anxious. It could be everything from death, like Cariad was talking about, to what we're eating, what we've said to someone uh, that we might be cringing about afterwards, <laughs> um, to how we've performed at work or in the gym or um, so much, isn't there? It's so crazy. much. I mean, it really plagues our life, doesn't it? But what can we do to help when anxious thoughts creep into our minds? Yeah, I think, like you said, Holly, we've all had experiences with anxiety, you know, whether it's minor or major, but, you know, it affects us all differently. Mm-hmm. And while calming teas obviously have their place, meditation is something that can really help with anxiety. Definitely. I think whether you've been thinking about trying it or maybe have a regular practice, I myself have tried a little bit and I'm going to steal a little phrase from Deliciously Ella (laughs) where she says, um, so she has some practices that she does daily-ish because she says that, you know, no matter who you are, there are just going to be some days where you can't do your habits. So it's more of like a daily-ish thing. So I've been (laughs) trying it sometimes and definitely felt feels like it really helps like you were saying, Laura, with, you know, the constant chatter and the eternal dialogue. There's just dialing that down slightly. So we know that it's got some amazing benefits, but, you know, meditation doesn't have to mean being sat cross-legged in your living room. You can actually do it on the go. Even even a 20-minute walk in nature can really help shift your mindset and do do wonders for, for clearing your head. Yeah, you wouldn't think of going for a walk as being meditative. Yeah, because for me, I'm always listening to something on my walks, mm. whether it be a podcast or music. I find it really hard actually to just listen to the surroundings and what's going on around me. But I have tried it a couple of times, albeit when my AirPods die and I've got no <laughs> choice. <laughs> it's actually really nice to hear, you know, the birds tweeting or even if it's cars going by. That's to me, that's presence. Yeah. I think that's what's nice about listening to our guests as well. You can hear what's going on around them and they're describing it. And, you know, on Cariad's walk, you can you can hear the rain tumbling down and you know, she's hiding under a tree at one point yeah. just to have a break <laughs> from the weather. Yeah. We were talking earlier, weren't we, about voice notes and how when you're voice noting a friend, for example, who lives maybe somewhere else, like I voice note my best friend all the time and she lives in London. All of her voice notes are, you know, beeping traffic and cars <laughs> whizzing by. and Not, not quite so meditative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so different. You can hear the birds in the background and it's almost complete silence. Yeah, I think it's that quietness that can sometimes put people off meditation, you know. Yeah, that you're alone with your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually really hard isn't it you know yeah it's a big challenge for a lot of people and um, I'd like to I have tried a bit I've dabbled a bit with meditation but <laughs> I'd like to do more of it but the idea of doing anything longer than about sort of five or ten minutes is is quite a challenge for me but maybe that's something I need to set for the new year and gradually build it up to like 20 minutes or something and just have it as stillness not you're listening to a guided meditation or you're walking or you're doing something else mm. I loved Cariad's kind of like little win slash challenge for herself when she was baking Madeleines. I thought that was really nice. And when she yeah. was like, I just felt so alive. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy with you. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I can 
I can totally see the appeal of that. If I had anything that I baked go that successfully, I would feel, <laughs> yeah. I would feel elated. <laughs> yeah. I do like a Madeline, I must admit. <laughs> Um, but it's not just Cariad who's been challenging herself. Our lovely listeners have been in touch to tell us what they've been pushing themselves to do recently as well. So Joanne from London, she has made the jump to move to a new city and start a new job. So two big wow. things. And yeah. she's so pleased that she's challenged herself to do this. She's loving every second of exploring her new area, especially her new daily walks. Love that. Well lovely. done, Joanne. Yeah. And this is a different type of challenge from another listener. Susie from London says that she posed nude for a life drawing class earlier this year. Wow. I know. She said it was a huge challenge for her. She's not always being body confident, but she's so proud she did it. And I think she should be really proud of herself as well. Yeah, that's that is so brave. That's yeah. so brave. That's an amazing thing to overcome. Wow. I've got an incredible one here as well from Elise Downing. So we actually featured Elise in the January issue. She was the youngest person and first woman to run 5,000 miles around the coast of the UK. And we asked her for some advice. Someone maybe wanting to take up a challenge. It doesn't have to necessarily be anything to do with fitness. But she said... I read about all these people who'd go off and just do a casual 20 mile run on a Saturday. And I was like, I want to be that person, but I absolutely wasn't that person. It felt so far away. You don't have to be the best runner to do these things. You just have to be the person who is brave enough to have a go. I thought that was so nice. Just having a go and just seeing what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And look where it took her. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. Oh, it's been brilliant chatting with you today. So a huge thanks from me to you, Danny, Laura, and of course, our brilliant guest, Cariad Lloyd. Most important of all, though, thanks so much to you for listening. If this is the first time you've joined us, there are plenty more episodes you can subscribe and download. But if you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much for coming with us and our fabulous guests on their walks to wellbeing. And so until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely walk to wellbeing listeners. Head to givestoyou.com forward slash apod2, that's A-P-O-D and the number two, to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door too. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walktowellbeing And you can even download exactly the same list of questions you heard our guests chat through earlier in the episode. You could record your very own Walk to Wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.